Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Maura Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 24th, 2019, and we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 22, and we will be reading the third paragraph that starts, perhaps there will never Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions, and we're going to be commenting on just that one paragraph. Yesterday's reference numbers, the share ID for the 7 a.m. meeting, uh, 12813, 12,813. And yesterday's 10 a.m. share ID, 12,814, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Lois G., would you please read OA's 12 steps? Yes, thank you. This is Lois G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Michigan. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. And thank you for your service, Lois G. Lori E., would you please read OA's 12 Traditions? Yes, I will. Thank you. This is Lori E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Iowa. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Three, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thanks for letting me serve. Lori, thanks for your service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Please do time yourselves, but I will also be timing and giving a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, because we are recording this, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 22 and we'll be reading the third paragraph that begins, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions and our comments will be on just that one paragraph this morning. And Mr. Leon B, would you get us started by reading today, sir? Yes, ma'am. This is Leon B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Good morning. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. This is Leon B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Simpsonville. You know, the first thing I thought of um, is someone on, on this line that always shares about one of their favorite lines in the big book, and that's the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. You know, that's just it. Um, we're not like normal people. I'm not, not like a normal person when it comes to food. And I had no clue why 
I did the things that I did to myself. It truly was a riddle for me why I would go back into in and out of the food, why I would do such things to myself and say think such thoughts about myself, promising myself I will not go back to that food, only to go right back into the Oreos. I often talk about a time where I would lay on my couch, look up to God, pray to God, take this away. Why are you doing this to me? I'm not going to eat anymore, only to get up from my couch, and I walked a fine path from my living room to my kitchen, and it was like a U, a U path that I would go to that refrigerator, go to that pantry, and it was like endless to go back and lay on my couch and just look up again and pray and ask God why, why. I mean, it was such a mystery, you know, why I could not eat like other people. And this doctor's opinion, because this is what they're they're hinting at, they're, they're hinting at the the twofold illness that we have, which is this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, you know, that explained everything. I mean, that line in the big book where it says to us alcoholics, it it makes perfect sense. It means something to us that every time I put a certain food or a certain ingredient into my body, I cannot stop eating it. That is an allergy. That is an abnormal reaction to food that I have. That is a disease, and that made perfect sense to me. And I didn't do anything to get it. Nothing I did, nothing my parents did to me, just like a person born without the pancreas that makes insulin. They didn't do anything to deserve type 1 diabetes. They were born that way. And that freed me so much that to say, okay, this is what I have now, and, and there is a solution that we're going to learn about. But that was just one part of this disease, this allergy of the body. Then I learned about this obsession that drove me back into the food. Even when I would stop, even when I had a small two minutes of abstinence, the mind would drive me right back into the food, knowing what I just done, knowing that I had stuffed myself to the point of I want to throw up or horrible abdominal pain or horrible belly pain, and I would still go back and, and eat more. But the mind, I would totally forget that, and my mind would drive me back into it. And that's the second part of this disease. That's the obsession. And if I can't stop once I start, and if I can't stay stopped because of what my mind is driving me to do, and as my man like to say, that is the definition of disease, and you need, I needed a spiritual recovery. And if you're on this line, and if anything what I said to you resonates reminder. And if anything I've said resonates with you, you're in the right place. This book will get you to a power greater than you that can solve all your problems. And I thank you. I pass with that. Have a great morning. Thanks so very much, Leon B. Okay. So if you have not shared in the last day or two, would you please, and you would like to, would you please star one and unmute? Give me your first name and the first initial of your last name, and I will repeat it back. Sharon K. Sharon K. Vasa O. Vasa O. Barbara E. Barbara E. Rowena K. Rowena K. Lydia a couple more. Somebody T. Lydia T. Lydia T. 
Fran M. Is that Sam? Fran. Fran. Fran M. Thank you. Okay, so we'll start you. there. Um, and I've got um, Sharon K, Vasa O, Barbara E, Rowena K, Lydia T, and Fran M. And if you're not Sharon K, would you press star one to mute your phone? Sharon, good morning. Hello, could you hear me? I can, thank you. Perfect. Um, I wanted to share on once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. I mean, I couldn't answer the riddle for myself either. I, um, sorry, I'm getting distracted. I, um, you know, I've been in program a long time and I, uh, I was basically free from sugar and flour from a lot for a long time. But I would occasionally go out and I was just fooling myself. I was fooling myself about the impact of having a day not abstinent here and there. I was fooling myself about how often that happened. And mostly I was fooling myself about the unmanageable life that I was creating by not completely 100% putting down the food. There is such a difference between almost abstinent and abstinent. When I did step one, I kept going back to powerlessness from when I was a kid. And there's a real difference between powerlessness, like in history and powerlessness right now, if I can't keep the food down 100% for an extended period of time. Um, because if I can't keep it down on an ongoing basis, then I'm not doing enough of the work. And and it's and I'm not going to get the miracle. Thank you. I pass. Sorry about that. You caught me off guard. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Vasa, oh, it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Thank you so much, moderator, for this leading the meeting. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, way back in Massachusetts now. This is a really good paragraph, and that was my story, trying to figure out why I cannot put the food down for so long, so many years. It's not like I didn't try to put it down. And I remember people that did not have my disease, which I didn't know I had a disease, and I, didn't, I, I had an allergy until I came to the big book, and I learned that in, in the doctor's opinion, in the doctor's, yeah, and I, my, I remember I have a sister-in-law, she would say, well, you can only have this much, you can only have this or that. Well, she didn't have my disease, you know, and I remember beating myself, why can, you know, why I cannot, why don't I have the willpower like she does or somebody else to just put it down? And uh, it doesn't matter. I was, you know, I was born with this. Uh, there's no more wise anymore, long, any longer for me. What do I need to do to put it down? And what is the solution? I was so just so grateful to find out I had an eating disorder. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the allergy. And finally, finally, there was an answer to my problem. It's like, you know, when people struggle with, diabetes or cancer or something, they don't feel good or there's something wrong with them. They don't know what it is until they were diagnosed. So I was diagnosed what I had and then was, okay, I am so relieved to know this now 
And now what can I do to put it down? And as for me, it was like cold turkey. I had to put certain foods down and going through the withdrawals. It did not feel comfortable. It was horrible. But one day at a time, one meal at a time, asking my higher power and going to my program and the support. And it's by the grace of God, it has been down for many, many, many years. But then I had to work the rest of the steps. So the solution is here. If you're a newcomer, have an open mind. That's what they told me. Come to six meetings. If you don't like it, we will return your miseries. And I felt very offended when I heard that. So, but anyways, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Rowena K. Good morning, everyone. Can I be heard right now? Yes, thank you. Oh, wonderful. Well, for me, the program is the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, and the principles. The rest is the fellowship, and all of them together make beautiful music like in an orchestra. I need you, my sisters and brothers, but I need the 12 steps, the traditions, and the principles for recovery. Now, this paragraph that Leon read so beautifully harkens back to the questions in the paragraph above. Why do I behave this way? Why do I take that first bite? Why do I block out the consequences of my last binge? Why can't I say stop from starting? And then once I start, I can't stop. What has become of my common sense? Why am I continuing to self-destruct? Well, faith without works is dead. I don't think we can do anything very well in this world unless we practice it. And faith didn't come easily to me. Like Dr. Bob, I believe that faith can be cultivated. My fear that I'd never be able to do more than simply mouth the words blocked me from accepting faith. Faith for me would come in God's time, not mine. My fear of not really taking that leap into true faith blocked me from seeing the beauty in the world and got in the way of my letting go of my resentments and becoming more accepting of life. My mind allowed me to memorize all the prayers, but that alone was not enough. They were empty words in my head. They had to be moved to my heart. Surely it was easy for me to say thank God when things were going my way. But when the seas of my life got turbulent, I finally had to accept that it was not my job to direct God, but rather God to be directing me and to be able to accept life on life's terms, not Barbara's terms. Now, when my little grandbaby was born, she was two pounds old. And she was hooked up to all machines. We did not know what the outcome would be. But I simply had to pray and say, thy will be done. It's not on my shoulders, God. It's on your shoulders. When it's on my shoulders, it's just too heavy. And even Atlas shrugs, if you remember that book. Gentle reminder. Thank you. Thoughts and cravings do pop into my brain, but my problem is that
that I want to get well, and this is the only effective way I know of doing it. Barbara, did we lose you or were you done? Okay. Rowena K., it's your turn, followed by Lydia T. Hello, this is Rowena K. from the United Kingdom. Um, yeah, I did spend probably most of my teenage years and right up until I came into program trying to figure out why I had this compulsion to binge. And um, I spent so much time writing, you know, in journals after something had happened, trying to analyze and figure out what made me pick feet up on that occasion. And um, and sometimes it would work. Sometimes I think, oh, I've got it now, um, only to, to be back in the food the next time something, you know, one of my defects came up. Um, you know, and I had lots of therapy as well, and none of it actually worked. Because I didn't know, not only, well, I had a problem with food, but it wasn't food that was a problem, it was my thinking. And thinking, thinking, um, which I love, the phrase I love. Um, because it's things like my perfectionism, my pride, my need to be self-sufficient that get me into the food, basically. Because those things help me to isolate. Um, and they tell me, you know, that I can't, um, like today, for instance, a perfect example of my thinking. Thinking is that I've got a deadline um, to, you know, to meet with my schoolwork, which is at uh, in a couple of hours. And my, my thinking, thinking today was that well, you can't possibly go on the meeting today because you've got to do your assignment. Um, and um, and that's why I came on the meeting because I was like, I've got to clear my head and um, and do this um, essay. But I've also got to look after my, my, my recovery and the recovery comes first and then I can look after, you know, life. Um, and I'm just um, really glad to have been able to get on the meeting today um, and to feel held, you know, because I have to say, I feel like absolute a pile of crap today. I really do. I haven't slept, um, but I'm abstinent and I've got people that are, are helping me, you know, to stay that way. So I think for me, um, I could be, I'm in the disease of my thinking today, but I'm not in the disease of my eating. And that's, for me, is, is um, recovery, I think. <laughs> Which is probably, I shouldn't do that quite so much. But thank you, and I'll pause. Thank you, Rowena. Lydia T., it's your turn, followed by Fran M. Hi, this is Lydia. Can you hear me? I can, thank you. Okay, great. Um, this is Lydia T., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Marquette, Michigan. Um, you know, this the first line, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. That That is what I spent so many years trying to find the answer. Why? Why? You know, and I never even had an idea that it was about food. Um, my husband is uh, is an alcoholic, and he's been in recovery for 14 years. And I couldn't understand why he just quit drinking, and he was not crazy anymore. And I was insane still. Why was I still crazy? 
I went to Al-Anon and I tried to work, you know, I was, I was always trying to work on myself. I never fully surrendered and gave things over to my higher power. And when I finally realized that I was using food the same way that, you know, that an alcoholic uses alcohol and drug addict uses drugs, um, you know, that was really my answer that I had a disease and I needed to have complete abstinence so I wasn't crazy anymore. Um, I still can be crazy if I don't work the program every day and turn things over to my higher power right when I wake up and and do the, do the things that are laid out in this book in order. I can still feel crazy and and right now I don't have to turn to food. I can turn to my sponsor, I can turn to somebody else in the program and uh, first and foremost, turn everything to my higher power. Um, And I don't feel crazy every day anymore and I don't need the question answered as to why. I mean, that's all I wanted to know was why. Why am I like this? What is wrong with me? Um, And now that I know, it's just, it's so easy. My uh, one of my favorite lines in the book is, uh, "Simple but not easy. A price had to be paid, and it was always because I was always stuck in myself. Everything was about me, 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 me. And now it's not about me anymore. It's about what I can do to help others. What I can do." to live my higher power's will and not my own. And if I follow those things every day, I don't feel crazy. I don't need to turn to food to make myself feel better or turn to controlling others or any of the crazy things I've done for the majority of my life. Um, And I don't need to know the answer. It just is what it is. And I kind of hate that statement. It is what it is. Probably because of that. Okay, and that's all I have today. And I just want to... Thank everybody for this meeting and everybody for their service. And that's all I have. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lydia T. Fran M., it is your turn. Hi. Thank you. And thank you for running such a good meeting. Um, Anyway, I too love that first sentence. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. It's such a letting go of that enormous force we all feel to figure out why. And I've been in program, thank God, since 1978 with some detours out. And um, it's taken me a long time. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe psychoanalysis works for some people. It's fascinating, and I would love to know all the myriad reasons why I turned out the way I did. But... After many years of it, I really never found the answer. And um, I just want to say that one of the joys of if we let go of trying to find the answer and we try very hard to find the solution and work with it, it's funny, it's almost ironic, but that's when the answers come. It's when we give up finding the the answer, the question, when we give up asking the question why and start doing the how, then we sort of figure things out. I know I had an experience Friday night at my family's um, holiday meal, a Passover Seder. I was abstinent and I was on my food plan 
and I engaged in a behavior with my family of origin that made me feel so humiliated. I couldn't sit still the rest of the evening. I just wanted to evaporate and disappear. And all the next morning, I felt awful. And all the next night, I felt awful. And all the while, I was abstinent on my food plan. And then on um, Monday morning, I woke up and decided I was going to go off my food plan for no reason. I just felt like it. And um, I caught myself. I had a little bit of a slip, and then I did not go off my food plan. And I immediately uh, started writing about what was going on and figuring out how bad I felt. And it's so amazing that by staying abstinent and not spending the next how many days in the la-la land of of doing something with my eating behaviors that I know is wrong... I was able to get past a difficult time and when I turned it and when I talked to my sponsor about it my wonderful amazing patient loving sponsor she was able to give me even more help that if I'm abstinent I can then work really hard on coming up with ways of being in that situation where I won't have to not act any differently I won't have to feel that bad. And it's remarkable. I mean, all I ever want to do is escape my feelings. Gentle reminder. But to change them, all I need to do is stay abstinent. And I'm grateful for the program, and I'm grateful for the fellowship. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Fran M. Okay. This is where we are. We're in the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution, and we are on page 22. We're reading and commenting on only the third paragraph that starts, perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. And if you press star one, give me your first name and last first initial of your last name. I'll repeat it back. Who would like to share? Larry K. Larry K. Lynn S. Sorry, C. Somebody C. Sorry, S U R I. S six. I'm sorry. Sari? S. Yeah. Sari C. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Roz G. Quiet group this morning. Roz G. Couple more. Good opportunity to share if you've never shared before. Practice that muscle. All right, we'll go with this lineup. Larry K, Lynn S, S Sarah w. C, Roz T, and somebody W. Beth W, North Dakota. Beth? Yes. Okay, Larry K, go for it. Thank you, Larry. Hey, hi, Maura. Good morning. Thanks so much, Larry K, recovered. You know, there, for me, there's something um, very satisfying in solving puzzles, <clears throat> and, and we've all had those, you know, satisfying aha moments, you know, those epiphanies when we're able to find a solution to a problem. And I mean, you know, if you think about problem solving, you know, it's built into our DNA. It goes back to the Stone Age. You know, they were inventing fire and, and the wheel, and now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're filling in the answer to, you know, 25 down on the on the crossword puzzle, you know, we, there's something satisfying about that. But here's the problem for a guy like me. It was distasteful to my pride 
to consider that I had a spiritual problem, that I had a spiritual malfunction. Because if that were the case, if I would accept that my, my basic core problem was, was a spiritual one, I'm going to have to accept some things that scare the hell out of me. You know, anything that's out of my control scares a guy like me. And if I accept that premise that I have a spiritual malady, that food wasn't my problem, the answer is that I'm going to have to be dethroned. You know, that the, the king and the queen have to be ousted. And that, that scares, you know, maybe that scares people like us. You know, what happen, because what happens to us if our ego is toppled? You know, what happens to us if we, if, we, um, if we give up the kingdom here? It's not just a person that's willing to go through the uncomfortability of putting the food down. That, that was hard enough. That, that's problematic for me. How about the uncomfortability of accepting our ouster as the king and the queen of our lives? That, that, that's far. You know, when I look back, that's far more difficult. That's a challenge. Because to, to, to drop my false pride as a human being, to accept that, that I'm not in charge, that I am turning my life over to this power of my own understanding. We don't care. This program did not tell me it has to be A, B, C, D. It just says it can't be me. And that's hard for me. So, you know, but, but the, the process, the 12-step the process, I think what it continues to do, this walk, is again more dethroning, more dethroning, more ouster, in a good way, in a positive way. That's what this does for me. With that, I pass. Thanks, Maura. Thanks, Larry. Um, Lynn F., it is your turn, followed by Sari C. I think it was Liz S. Is that okay? Oh, it absolutely is great. <laughs> Thank you. Liz S. in New Hampshire. Um, I was talking the other day with someone about understanding the phenomenon, just the word phenomenon. I, I don't even understand the word phenomenon. So I certainly don't understand this illness or this disease. And what I realize is I don't have to. And I can't. And I was looking at the pictures they have now, of the black hole they've ever had in space of a black hole. And it's absolutely astonishing and I, I liken it to this illness i'll never get it i will never get it and if i focus my attention on trying to understand it rather than trying to treat it i will be in it rather than dealing with it and that's what i need to focus on it doesn't make sense to me in fact i can be fascinated by it I can be confused by it. I can not understand it and not, I can not get it. But I can focus on the solution and that's what matters most. And that's what I have to do is focus on the solution. I don't have to understand the disease. I don't have to understand why I have it, why I got it, where I got it, how, I, any part of it. I just have to know how to deal with it, treat it, and recover from it. And if I focus on that, I will be well. If I focus on what is it, where did it come from, what does phenomenon have to do with it, then I'm going to be in it. 
So the most important thing for me today is to focus on the solution and not the problem. And that is what saves me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Liz S. Terry C, it is your turn, followed by Raj G. And if I'm not saying your name correctly, please correct me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's Suri, um, S-U-R-I, um, not S-A-R-I. So um, like a difference of Terry versus Suri. Um, it's fine, S Suri C. Um, uh, okay, so thank you for asking me to correct, yeah, correct you, but it's more than fine. Um, yeah, so I, I just am so grateful for the program and for the opportunity to share. Um, this, the, the reading thing yesterday was as typically God-designed perfect for me, and, and every day, I know that I belong in this room because every day, I mean, the messages are just so, um, I, I wish they weren't, but I come with the mindset of identifying in, and I identify in so strongly that that it is me, whether I want it that way or not. And so I get into the why, and perhaps I'll never know an answer. Yeah, I have to be okay with that, because the truth is, is even this morning, and one of the realizations I came to at work and in my life with my siblings is somehow I walk around with a sense of superiority. Uh, chip on my shoulder that everybody needs to make me happy or um, and, and there's a heaviness to it and so I end up making everybody feel my brother just told me this literally in his over exhaustion this morning at 6.30 holding his fifth child and I feel inferior to him because I'm divorced and only three and he's got five and he's awesome and but in my head I walk around somehow giving everybody the impression that I am superior, even though I feel like I'm the opposite. And why? Why is irrelevant? So why is irrelevant? The answer is that I don't like that feeling. I know that it stems from my issues with my food and my dissatisfaction with myself and my food. And um, I know that even though um, my abstinence eludes me at this point, yeah, the day that I start doing the work um, is a day that I will also be probably um, freed from this feeling of superiority because I have an issue with seeing myself right side and I'm so grateful for this program for helping me to work on that um, because when I don't see myself as right side I walk around saying why, 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 which somebody pointed out in yesterday's 7 a.m. meeting or 10 a.m. I'm not sure was really another way of saying, wow, wow, wow. And I don't want to grow up, but this is a program where you face it, you do the work, you show up, identify in, and you grow up, and you own it. And the pride that I feel is no self-pride. And I'm so grateful that um, for this, you know, for this fellowship and this meeting where abstinence is present, where the positivity and experience, strength, and health is real. And uh, I want to just thank everybody, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Suri. Raj G., it's your turn, followed by Beth W. 
Good morning, 4 a.m.ers, 7 a.m.ers, Roz G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, for I, my sister program is Al-Anon, and I, um, I'm a recovering know-it-all. And, you know, didn't really understand the heights of my ego until I, you know, I've had, it has, it's had to be reduced at depth in this program. And I, I want to know, you know, I want to answer all your questions. Um, I don't like to, to say I don't know. Well, actually, I do. But in my past, it was very exhausting to be able to have to have an answer for everything because I didn't want anybody to think that I was stupid or, I, you know, that I didn't know something. And that's, that's really tiring. And um, it's so, it's a pleasure. It's, comf- it's nice. It's, it's calming. It's, it's just like this relief to be able to say, I don't know something. Um, maybe you can call somebody else that has experience with that. Or, you know, as a teacher, my students may ask me something that I don't know. And I can tell them that. Or if I make a mistake, I can say, you know, I made a mistake. And it, that's as far as it goes. And I, I don't have to suffer the exhaustion and burn that energy that the book says, you know, I don't have to burn energy that I don't need to burn anymore. There's, like I said yesterday, there's a, there's a title in the story, in one of the stories in the back of the book that says, because I am an alcoholic, I compulsively overeat simply because I am a compulsive overeater. I don't know why. I don't need to know why anymore. All I need to know is that the truth. When I know the truth or the facts about something in my life, just the facts, ma'am, then I can do something about it. I can either do something about it or not do something about it. There are consequences to either either one of those actions in the forks in the road. And since... um, I didn't really choose to find out the answers because I had to be, you know, I had to be beaten down into submission. Um, I have, I have found a beautiful life, and uh, I don't really have any more to add. Just that it's a, it's a humble thing and a relieving thing to to say I don't know. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Rose Q. Beth W, it's your turn. Hi, this is Beth W. from North Dakota. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Um, thanks for calling on me. My name is Beth W. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from North Dakota. Um, I um, am so grateful to be able to share about this because um, I hate being uncomfortable. And I don't like when there's not an answer that makes things clear. And... Um, when I don't know the answer, I will fight um, everybody and everything to figure out what the answer is. And um, I've done this my whole life. I remember my father um, saying to me and one of my brothers, who's not too different from me, can you two stop bickering? Because neither of us would, would back down from the fight, even though neither of us maybe knew the answer anyway. And we would, um, and, and, uh, we would never give up. And I had to learn, um, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? And sometimes I just don't have to be right. 
because I'd much rather be happy. And um, I have a big, big sticky note on the on the at the prayer acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And um, I struggle with that, just accepting how things are without knowing the answer or the reason because I can't always answer the riddle. And it's not just about this disease. It's about so much of life. I just don't know the answers. And I have to learn to just be okay with that and live in the place of being uncomfortable. I, you see, I never wanted to be uncomfortable. And so when I was uncomfortable, I would, I would drink or I would eat or I would do some other destructive behavior to, to, uh, to take away that feeling because I wanted a solution immediately. I wanted to know the answer, and when the answer couldn't come, I had to take away that pain, that feeling of, of, uh, of being uncomfortable. And, and what I didn't know is that the food became my answer. The food wasn't the problem. The, the problem was this disease that doesn't allow me to, to accept life as, on life's terms. And so I can't answer the window, and I'm learning today that that's okay that just being um, okay with, with, with acceptance is a solution in itself. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for taking the meeting, and um, have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Beth W. Okay, so we have time for at least three, I'm going to say three Charles shares. Charles H. Nessa R. Nessa R. Nessa R. There we have it. That was easy. Okay, Charles H, Nessa R, Monica T, I heard the other name, I didn't catch it, if we have time, please give me your name the next time around, Charles H, please, thank you, brother. Thank you, Martha, and I, and, and I want to um, show you how this, from my point of view, how this program works and how it don't work. I had some wise this morning because I had some unresolved resentment, so, um, so there's a few, like, why why they keep testing the moderator and having a special edition in three minutes? That that's how the program don't work. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. It's all about what's going on in my sick mind, right? Why why who 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 has who, who has the most uh gentle reminder or time please? That's my sick mind. And that Y is a crooked letter and Charles H is crooked most of the time. Why ain't going to do me no good? Why is a false sense of control? I I don't know why, but I, I tell you what, I can't answer no riddle either. And it's going to tell us that on band. Thank you for the other uh, speaker that said that. We cannot solve the riddles. I got it. I spotted somebody said the pickle and cucumber analogy. Um, then we can't answer questions. You know, you can... You, I, I can kill myself talking about why, right? Why you keep saying, hey, can you hear me? Because that's all they wanted. Maybe it's a, I don't know. Maybe it's a false sense of they can't hear me now and I haven't been heard. I don't know. But those are my crooked whys. Um, and I got to come clean because if I don't come clean, I'm going to eat. I'm on 204th Street in the Bronx. I'm going to eat the whole 204th Street. If I keep asking them questions, why? And I keep saying it. There's people dying right now, and there's people that will die continuously asking why. So there's my why today. I'm killing it. I'm kicking its face in. I don't care about why, and I'm making amends publicly to those that 
I heard. And and just real quick, some people think um, that character assassinating is not harming people. I, 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 I beg to differ. If you look on page 77, it says ill feelings. If I have ill feelings towards you, I'm going to try to crucify you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Ms. R., it's your turn, followed by Monica T. Thank you. Good morning. Wishing for you. This is Ms. R., recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I have learned um, in recovery that there are two things that really don't matter. One is um, why, and the other one is being right. And for me, the two of them are connected, and they connect themselves to keep me in the disease. You know, when I become entrenched in uh, why, you know, why does this happen? Why are things this way? Or, you know, like my favorite, why me? Um, That goes hand in hand with being right. You know, yeah, of course, things shouldn't be this way, you know, and I'm right. I'm right that things shouldn't be this way. But what ends up happening when I become entrenched in this, why do things be way, this way and things shouldn't be this way by me is I absorb myself from any responsibility for my life. You know, I become a victim. And when I become a victim, I'm not responsible for finding a solution because the problem is outside of me. You know, if only things were different, if only people changed, if only. Um, and so I am completely not only powerless, but hopeless and helpless. And what I've learned in my journey here is that I may be powerless, but I'm not hopeless and I am not helpless. And I gotta give up the wise and the and the I am right, the self righteousness. You know, when I let go of those, then I can take the actions that um, that that keep me keep me in recovery. You know, the actions that are basically uh, putting down the food entirely and working the steps. Uh, according to the big book, uh, with the desperation of a dying man. You know, but first, I got to assume responsibility for my own life. Uh, and as long as I remain stuck in the wise and the self-righteousness, I cannot do that, which is why I did it for such a long time. You know, I didn't want to change. It's easier to have everybody else change than me change. I want everybody to go out of their comfort zone so that I can stay in my comfort zone but then somebody told me, you know what, Nessie, if you want everything to change, you've got to be willing to change everything. And the operative word there is you, meaning me. i got to be uh, willing to change everything. I have control over what I change. I have no control over other people changing. Um, and I found that extremely empowering. So discard the why, discard the self-righteousness, and assume responsibility and work the steps, you know, because my life does depend on it. And I pass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Monica T., it's your turn. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. And, of course, this was written back in 1938, 1939, and they certainly didn't have any answers to addiction questions and whatnot. Today we do have some answers to some of this stuff, but it's still 
um, doesn't um, uh, give us a solution that works. And, you know, we cannot answer the riddle. And I looked up riddle this morning, puzzle, mystery. Man, this certainly was a puzzle and a mystery to me. Why couldn't I stop? Why couldn't I stay stop? What's wrong with my mind? What in the world is going on here? And then I came into program and uh, started studying the big book. And I'm given some answers. And, ah, you have a disease, Monica. You have an obsession of the mind and you have an allergy to certain foods. So there were some answers to for me that I had this disease, and it wasn't my fault, but I still had this disease. But you know what? This knowledge, even though, you know, when I first came in, I didn't know, and I couldn't see, but when I did see something, and I did start learning something, I still couldn't do anything about it. So even if I do get answers to this riddle and the why, I myself can't do anything about it. I don't have the power. I'm powerless, totally, because my mind is, um, um, I'm obsessed. You know, I'm obsessed. I've got delusions, illusions. My mind doesn't work right. So answering the why hasn't helped. But, you know, there's so much hope here. We have a solution. We have a solution to this problem. And what's more important, and that's what the big book, I think, is trying to tell us here. Okay, we got this riddle, but you know what? That's not the important thing anymore. The important thing is we have a program of action. And that's what you need to do, Monica. You need to do the work. Stop why, 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 and just do the work. Because taking the actions and working through the steps is going to give you an answer to this riddle. It's, it's going to be your solution. It's going to change this obsession of your mind. This higher power, God, will change your, he will relieve you of the obsession. Because I can't and think so And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. We have about a minute. And who is that person I wanted to share before? Deborah? Deborah, it's your minute. Yes, hi, thank you so much, Deborah M. from Buffalo, New York, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, there is some answers, and I just quickly just wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope. I had a puppy for a while, and I was training this dog, and if I wanted this puppy to sit on command, I had to give him a treat. I would say, sit, give him a treat, sit, give him a treat, and over time, he would sit whether or not I gave him a treat or not. Something in his brain, that little brain, told him a neural pathway that he had to sit when I said the word sit. didn't make a difference anymore with the candy or the sweet or whatever I gave him. And somewhere along the line, I found out, because I'm medical background, that happened to me. Something triggers my thought process that I automatically want to eat the obsession of the mind. I don't know how it got there. I don't know how my dog's neural pathway got there, but it's there. The solution to another pathway for me was following the steps, listening to my sponsor. That action step somehow with God 
changed my behavior, changed my understanding. Knowledge that if I wanted to say sit, he would sit didn't help me at all. I don't know how that happened in his brain. I don't know how it happened in my brain, but I know that that is what happens when certain things trigger, and I don't know what they are. The steps is the answer. So, Ms. Alpress, thank you. Spot on timing. Thank you, Ms. Deborah. Okay, and that is the last share for us this morning. Thank you to everyone who shared, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Important number, today's share ID, 12,817, Okay, so we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Hoya, would you please read our book is but... Our book is that, oh gosh, page 164. <laughs> I certainly, certainly, Laura. What a meeting. Thank you for your service. My name is Hoodie R. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>